Amen. Amen. And we are here today to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's who we are, and that's what we are all about here at Harvest. And we're going to continue our series in Titus. If you want to get a head start, we're going to be in Titus chapter 2 today. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, I would uh, you can open your, your phone and uh, Google uh, Titus 2, um, or you can get a copy from the back. We would love to give one to you as our gift to you. Um, we are continuing our series called Build Your Church, which is the cry of our hearts and um, today and, and every day to Jesus, would you build your church? And man, can I tell you that I'm here today to stand as a testimony that he's doing that here at Harvest. Praise God. Amen. He's at work in a profound way, in a big way. And I, my heart just is overwhelming with praise this morning and thankfulness and, and thankful for God and thankful for you. And, and this series, we're looking nine different weeks, nine things that we can pursue at doing our part to ask God to use us to build his church. Um, and God is building his church in a variety of ways. We have, we have new folks coming almost every week here at Harvest. Praise God for that. Our small groups are expanding. Uh, we, we have a Got Questions class that is starting every, that has been ongoing every Sunday morning before church at 8.15 where people are diving into the doctrine of Jesus Christ and, the, and, the, and God. We have starting today a women's Bible study where over 14 women are already signed up to dig in. And if, you, if it's not too late to sign up, if you want to jump in, we'd love to have you after church 12.30 to 2. This past weekend, whether you realize it or not, literally yesterday and Friday, we had 60 or more um, of students from all over Baltimore area from crew gathered to have their regional retreat. That's awesome. Praise God. Amen. And we have a partnership in the Dominican Republic that is literally in the midst of planting a church right now that we get to have the privilege of being a part of. That's awesome. We have somebody in our church family that is going to be a missionary in Nicaragua leaving at the end of this year and early next year. Praise God for that. Like God is moving. Isn't that amazing? And so we are so excited for how he is doing, how he is acting, and how he is working for his glory. Our vision here at Harvest is one mission, one church, one family, that we live life together as one family seeking after the glory of God in every way. This morning, if it's okay with you, and I hope that it is, I want to bring forth and ask us to pray together as a church for a request for our church family. Is that okay with you guys as we get going? Um, I hope so. Um, first off, I, I just want to thank you so much for all that you are doing and how God's working. Last week, Pastor Andrew preached a great message called Pursuing My Part, and each of us has a role to play, right? Family, I, the church is literally God's called out gathering of individuals that are collectively formed to live life together on mission for God together. And so thank you for all that you are doing and praise God that we all have a part to play in that. God is moving. And uh, thank you for all that you've done, especially financially and giving, generos- and giving generously. Um, I do want to report in that God has been so faithful throughout the years of, of, through Harvest. He has positioned us in a very strong financial position with three months full cash reserves and an additional significant amount in our operating f- uh, fund. But the, over the summer, the, the week-to-week, month-to-month giving has dissipated here. And honestly, in September, our monthly budget is $28,500. And we were over $5,000 short of that giving. And we're off to a slower start now. October. And so I just, I share that with you because this is what family does, right? We're all apart. We all have a role to play and I want you to be informed about it. And I want to ask you to to pray for it, right? Because God has given us incredible missional opportunities, but God's work requires God's resources and God uses his people to accomplish his work. Our heart here at Harvest is to be as open and as transparent as humanly possible in every aspect of what God is doing here. And so you will see the, the monthly giving totals in the weekly email on Thursday. And if you're not a part of that, we would love to get you signed up for that. If you scan the QR code on the, sh- on the seat back in front of you, that'll pull up the weekly bulletin. And at the bottom of that is the ongoing monthly 
monthly giving. And if you're at home, it's harvestandappwest.org backslash bulletin if you want to follow along. Because this is you're part of our family too, whether you're here in person or you're online. God, over the eight plus years of this church, has used people that come on a regular basis. And frankly, people outside the church, some of whom have never set foot in this building or any building at Harvest to give financially generously to the work that God is doing. Praise God. He uses all sorts of people in all sorts of situations to fulfill his mission and his ministry. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of our elders and our staff for that. And I want to applaud our staff. We're doing, they're doing a great job of stewarding the resources that God has given us to keep income, uh, to keep our spending below what is being brought in so that the income is continuing to guide that. Um, but continue to pray for that. We are monitoring our spending. We are real adjusting the budget as human, best as humanly possible, which is already pretty tight. But we want to see God work. And so we're asking God to provide. Amen. And so we're asking God to provide in a big way. And I'm asking you to see if God would have you be a part of that solution. And so a couple of things that we're going to ask of you, if you don't mind, is this, is first is, is to really praise God for what he's done. Amen. Like praise God. It's awesome. The reality is, is that giving is stewardship, is a discipleship thing. It's, it's, a, it's an overflow of worship in response to what God has already done for us in giving us Jesus. And I would highly encourage you to read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, which outlines this very, very well. I want to, in response to what God has given us in Jesus, we are to give back very generously off the top uh, to the work that God is doing, however God would lead you, so we can have maximum kingdom impact. The second thing I would ask you to do is pray. After we praise, we pray. Pray that God, you and the cattle on a thousand hills, would you pr- please provide for your church here at Harvest? And, and a part of that prayer, ask an open-ended, honest question, God, what would you have me do in giving back to you financially to the work that God is doing here at Harvest? The third thing is to process, process with your spouse, or your family, or whomever, what, what can we do? What part do we have the privilege to pray? Because it's not a, it's not just, it's not, it's a, it's a privilege, right? It's an, it's giving is a privilege. And part of discipleship, which is the whole, whole theme this year, intentional discipleship is growing spiritual maturity, growing in spiritual maturity really will lead to increased generosity in every area of our life, whether it's here or other places outside these walls. And fourth and finally, participate. I want to invite you to participate with us. And again, you can give ongoingly um, online. You can give at the box at the back through cash check. You can, you can tithe via text. And so our need right now is to hopefully catch up from where we were through one-time gifts, but also to increase the ongoing recurring giving month to month, week to week, so that we can fuel, God can fuel ministry. I believe he's going to do it. And I believe he's going to use all of us to do that. Ann and I are, have been praying and, and doing all that we can in that area as well. So I want to encourage you to do those things as God gives us the opportunity to participate with his mission. What a privilege it is to live missionally, amen? And so we want to grow in generosity on an ongoing basis, not just now, but always, so that we can reach and and achieve and participate in all the kingdom advancing opportunities that God has given us. So um, would you join us in that? And I believe with all my heart, 1 Thessalonians 5.24, it's in my office. It's one of my favorite verses. He who called you is faithful. He will surely do it. God's got this and he's going to do it and it's going to be awesome, amen? God's best is yet to come. And, and I really believe that as the psalmist writes in Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. So I want to call us to do that right now, if you don't mind. I, we, pray, we, we sang, praise the Lord, right? I want to spend some time corporately as a church right now praising God. And then I want to spend some time praying to God. I don't just want to talk about that. Like, this is our opportunity collectively. God, build your church. We're your church. Let's have a pray. If we don't pray, nothing else matters, Amen. We want to praise God for who he is, and we want to seek his face and ask him to do what he will do. So would you, where you are, 
maybe you have a, a friend or a family member next to you, you can do it with them. For the next 30 seconds or so, would you just spend time individually or in a small group next to you just praising God for his faithfulness either to the life of harvest? This is really a collective prayer. Yes, individually, because we all make up, but let's just spend time as God's church thanking him for what he has done at harvest as his church over the last eight years. Thank you for providing this building over two and a half years ago, right? Thank you for providing the chairs. Thank you for providing the worship equipment. Thank you, God, for providing the opportunity to be here. So would you, and I know whether this is your first time here, this is who we are. This is what we do. We praise the Lord. We go to the Lord. We come together as a family and we go to the Lord together as a family. Would you just pray, or maybe you've been here a while, would you just spend some time literally in the next 30 seconds just praising God together for what he has done and who he is in the life of his specific local church here at Harvest. And then I'll close that time in in prayer and then we'll move to a 30 second to 60 second praying, asking God to provide, asking God to, to do what he will do in this way. So would you just spend time right now praising God? You can do it out loud or you can do it silently. God, we praise you for who you are. God, we praise you for all that you have done. We praise you for your faithfulness. It's just you have never not been faithful. God, faithfulness is your character. And God, we just come to you and we just thank you. Thank you for all that you have done, the way that you've worked in each one of our hearts and lives, the way that you've seen lives changed and transformed more and more into your image, God. Just my heart just overflows with thankfulness for who you are and gratitude. God, praise you and we just restore, I just, we restore you as the elevator over all things. And God, we just give you thanks for all things. In your mighty name we pray, amen. And now would you seek the face together as a part of God's church here and say, Father, would you just provide? Would you provide in the way that you see fit, using whom you see fit? And would you stir in the hearts of men and women to provide in, in a way that really it just glorifies your name and allows your mission to be fulfilled here at Harvest? God, you are our God and we will ever praise you. God, you, God, your word speaks so very clearly that you know our needs and as we seek first the kingdom of God and all your righteousness, all these other things will be given unto us. And God, God, we just come before you. You are Jehovah Jireh, you are our provider and we are just so thankful because you have never not provided. And God, you are our continual track record is that you give us an abundance, you give us enough, and in, in, in every season, God, you're faithful. Thank you for that. God, we come to you and ask that you provide financially um, in the way that, that you see fit for your church here, that you would give uh, the elders and the staff wisdom and, and stewardship of resources, God, and allocation of resources and decisions that need to be made. Um, and, but God, also that you would just grow in each and every one of our hearts more than meeting a budget bottom line, God, a heart of generosity, God, that really is a heart of worship. 
and a heart of disciple making. God, your disciples are, we are to be known by our love for you and our love for others. God, just open the floodgates of our heart to fall more and more in love with you and just open the heart, our hands and, our, and every resource that we have, God, to be used by you and to be used for you. God, we need you and we love you. We trust you today and every day. You owe the cattle on a thousand hills. God, we're so thankful for all that you are and all that you will do. And God, we praise you. In your name we pray, amen. We serve an awesome God, don't we? He's just awesome. And it's just great to come together as a church family and do that. Um, we are a family, and um, it's God's church and God's resources for God's mission. So thank you for that. And um, so as we get going here in Titus 2, quick pop quiz question for you guys. Who here, and you can shout it out if you want, knows Pastor Andrew's favorite baseball team? Who does? Oh, wow. <laughs> it's consensus. It's amazing. Now, how do we know that, right? Well, it might be because he wears some sport of Orioles paraphernalia every other day. It might be based off of the words that he says when he roots for them or what he tweets on social media. Hashtag Birdland, right? Um, but through what he wears and what the words that he says, we can tell what he values. And man, kudos to my brother because he values them when they're good and when they're not so good, right? And for the record, they were the most overachieving team in baseball this year, given where they thought they would finish versus the number of wins that they had. So they're on the way up. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Um, but my question for you is, if I were to ask you that question or others around you in the workplace or in your home, what, do, what team do you like? What bands do you listen to? What, what shows do you watch? Would they be able to tell or not tell based off of the words that you say, the clothes that you wear, the action that you take? Just a decent chance, right? Now, if I were to ask them, do you know that John Smith believes in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as the one true God and has submitted their lives to him and wants to follow them all the rest of their days? How would they answer? My question to you is, do the words that you say, the actions that you take, the things that you adorn, you don't have to necessarily wear Christian swag or whatever, because sometimes that can be misleading, right? How many people with Jesus on your bumper sticker uh, get not nice words when somebody cuts you off, right? But based off of what you adorn, put on and put out, do they know that you love Jesus? Is there a constant gospel testimony in your life, in every context, in every season, in every situation? That's what Paul is going to write to Titus to train and teach the disciples at Crete, and he's exhorting us today as well. We're going to see from the text today that Paul exhorts Titus to encourage and instruct those who are disciples, all of us, who are under earthly authority, to live in such a way that points to the eternal authority, Jesus Christ, to whom they have pledged ultimate allegiance. In everything that they put on when they go into the workplace, in the words that they say, in the attitudes that they take, in the communications that they give, are they demonstrating and displaying the authentic gospel to which they say they believe that when we interact with those in authority over us, our bosses, our coaches, our instructors, our superior officers in the military, our teachers, our principals, our government officials, is the way in which we respond to the things asked of us and communicate to the ones over us and beside us reflective of an authentic, continual gospel testimony. 
that everyone and through every word that we say and action we take is experiencing the love of Christ through us and the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ by us. Now, again, we're talking about pursuing a consistent, authentic gospel testimony because none of us are perfect in this, right? You're like, oh, the word I said to my coworker last week at the water cooler, oh, wasn't exactly, praise God for his grace, right? The question is, are we authentically pursuing this or are we just throwing it out the door and like, I'm a different person Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, an hour, hour and a half on Sunday morning, I'll put my Jesus face on, but that's not really who I am, right? Pursuing the Great Commission daily means living as a genuine gospel testimony daily. Being an ambassador of the gospel requires adorning myself with the gospel. Here's a big idea for today. You'll see it on your notes and in the screen. A consistent gospel testimony lives under earthly authority in a way that displays Jesus, Jesus' ultimate authority in every way that I choose to live under my earthly authority in a way that displays, as an authentic testimony, Jesus' ultimate authority, not just in some ways, but in every way, every day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you in in this very, very practical two verses that we're going to look at today. God, I pray that you would stir in all of our hearts. I think we all have room to grow here. God, that you would just stir in us an affection for your name, a heart of worship and adoration that just overflows into every season and every situation and circumstance in our life. God, what we're going to talk about, and we just need your Holy Spirit, God, because it's so countercultural and counterflesh, God, that it can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit in us and through us on an everyday basis. God, we need you. Silence me and may your words flow today. In your name we pray. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to Titus chapter 2, and we're going to look at two verses today that are very practical and potentially very convicting. Here's the word of the Lord, Titus 2, verses 9 and 10. Paul is writing to Titus. Titus is a young pastor on Crete. He says this, slaves are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Slaves are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. Now, a couple of really important principles before we jump into the application. And please don't check out on me. You're like, I'm not a slave. Well, kind of. We have to look at this contextually and also theologically to then figure out how to live it applicationally. That's our heart at Harvest, to take the word of God, see it in its original context, the author's original intent, pull out the truth and apply it to our lives. Here's what's going on. Let me make something abundantly very, very clear right off the bat. Slavery is sin, especially as we've known it in our country, right? Taking people against their will, asking them to do heinous things, that they don't want to do and shouldn't have to do, treating them as less than is despicable, sinful, and wrong. Amen? And it still exists today in our country and around the world in a variety of forms, tragically. And we must, as believers, fight with every ounce of our being against that. Amen? Contextually, 
we have to understand that when this was written, the culture was this. Word, the first word in chapter 9 is slave. It's the word doulos. It's the word bond slave. Contextually, in the first century, when this was written, one out of three people in Rome and one in five elsewhere were slaves. So this is not in Rome, but if you want to take that, 20% of the audience that Paul was writing to were slaves. Now, what is a slave in this context? A slave could be a, came as a result of a capture in war, a default on a debt, an inability to support, and a voluntarily selling oneself It could be as being sold as a child by destitute parents. It could be being given birth to slave parents. It could be with the conviction of a crime or kidnapping or piracy. Unlike later slavery that we've experienced in our country, uh, this slavery um, in the ancient world was racially indiscriminate and it cut across all racial, social, and national lines. And the state of slave varied to some that had very, very hard circumstances of labor, while others were actually in administration, and some slaves were actually better off than free laborers. So with that context, we have to also understand this theological point. Please don't totally check out on me on this, and I want you to hear this correctly, that the concept of slavery is actually at the heart of the gospel. What do I mean by that? Well, just like verse 9 right here, the word slave is, bond, is doulos, bond slave in the Greek. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 1, the third word in, the, in, this, in this letter, Paul goes, Paul, a what? Servant. Same word, doulos, Paul, a bond slave. I am, Paul is declaring himself as a slave, as one who has taken himself and voluntarily submitted under the master's authority of Jesus Christ. So we don't want to cling to the distorted version, which is heinous and sinful, but the divine version actually is redemptive and powerful right? And so we have to be very, very careful with how, when we interact with the text to understand this and the, the concept of, of slavery, which goes through that. So in my role, Paul's role as bond slave, under the ultimate authority of Jesus Christ, who I've submitted to Lord and Master, he is now exhorting and writing to those who are living under earthly authority to live as a bond slave in such a way that points back to the, the ultimate authority, Jesus Christ, as a living Testimony. Make sense in a way? Tracking? Okay. I hope so. Now we have to understand this. Lordship is at the ultimate center of the gospel. Romans 10.9 says it clearly. clearly. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? Lord. Master. Boss. A submission under the authority of Jesus Christ voluntarily becoming a doulos and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be what? Saved. So without the submission, without the surrender, there is no salvation. So I have to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I have to treat him as master, not just once, but every day. A lot of people believe that Jesus was raised from the dead by God. Not a lot of people surrender their hearts and lives to him as Lord. There's a huge distinction. People go to church all their life and go, I know all about Jesus, I'm saved. But they never surrender their heart to Jesus as Lord. And Jesus will look at them one day, he says in Matthew, and says, get away from me because I never what? I never knew you. So this is at the heart of the gospel. Galatians 5, 22. 
Paul says this. Five verse, I'm not 522, sorry. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's that process of becoming a new man and surrendering that I am no longer living for myself. I have voluntarily laid down my rights and through the righteousness of Christ, I am saved. But now I have a new master, a new mission, and a new goal, right? And it's with that heart, Paul writes this text. Here's the reality, though. All of us fight living under control, don't we? Me, I have, a 15, I have a brother that is 15 months younger than me. We got in knockdown, drag out fist fights for who would have the remote control to control the TV when we were teenagers. Anybody else ever experienced that? Come on, don't, don't, don't leave me hanging, right? Yeah, I want control in big areas and little areas. The gospel is the giving away of control. It's submission and surrender. It's at the heart of it. And so what we are going to look at right now is anti-flesh, anti-natural, anti-culture, modern. And it's pure gospel by God's grace. And we need the power of Jesus Christ in me to live out the gospel through me, right? Because we can't do this on my own. And friends, I need you to hear, I need you to hear this, that we, and Build Your Church series, we are not just called to go to church, right? We are called to be the church, outside of these walls to be a live living testimony of the gospel's authenticity about how Jesus Christ has transformed me and it's I who no longer live, but it's Jesus Christ who lives in me, right? And through me, praise God. So when we look at this text, the, in the verse 10 here, so that in everything they may adorn the gospel, that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Adorn means to put on like you would put on a coat, or it's a decorative word. But Paul says, in everything. So does in everything mean some things? When you have a good boss? No, it means in everything. Look at your neighbor and say, no excuses. No excuses. No rationalizations, no justifications. I have a bad boss, therefore I don't have to listen to he or she. Uh-uh. That's not what this text says. There are no excuses. We're going to see that here in a second. As Paul continues, he uses this word adorn. An illustration of the word adorn is like a bride who puts flowers in her hair to make it more beautiful, right? That's what the gospel does to our lives. And we are to put on the gospel like you put on your purse or your perfume or your hat or your overcoat in the morning and go out in everyday life so that we're covered by the gospel and we live for the gospel. Paul is linking doctrine and duty. He is saying, here's the doctrine that you are to live out the doctrine, not just theological information, but life transformation, adorning the doctrine of God our Savior. Doctrine is not just to be in our heads where knowledge puffs up, but it's meant to be lived out where others can see it and thrive through it. So what does it look like? In this text, over the next few moments, we're going to look at five attributes of adorning the gospel daily in our everyday life in our everyday life, especially in those relationships where we are ones who live under authority. Because while we don't have in this room right here, most likely a technical master and we are a technical slave, the best human illustration and application we have is, one, uh, is, is boss and worker and all those 
else, the, the relationships where you find yourself under authority. So how do we live this out? The first way is this. The first attribute, obedient in action. Obedient in action. This is the attribute of one who is adorning the gospel on an everyday basis. At your workplace. Slaves are to be submissive to their own masters. Now, praise God, it says own masters, right? You don't have to go to the work building next door and their boss is now your, no. (laughs) Praise God, right? But your own master. Who is in positional authority that God has allowed and or ordained over you? They, you are called to be submissive as a way to be a living testimony to live under authority. Remember, Jesus lived under authority, did he not? He was fully God and fully man in his entire time here on, on earth, but he lived under the authority to do the work of who? God the Father. I've come here to do the work that you sent me here to do, he said. God, would you please do this, he prayed right before he went to the cross. Would you please take this cup from me, but what? Not my will, but whose be done? Yours. That's a submissive and a surrendered heart. That's adorning the gospel. It's how to live under authority. Now you might, in the big ways and the small ways, we need to exalt Jesus overall. So the word submissive literally here in the text means to be obedient. You might be like, how do I do this, Pastor Dan? You don't know my boss. You don't know the military guy or gal over me. You don't know. I'm like, you're right. I don't know. But here's what I do know. You need to remember who your ultimate boss is, right? Here's what Paul writes about that in Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, no excuses, right? Whatever you do, work heartily as for who? The Lord, the ultimate master, as the ultimate eternal authority. Not for men, knowing that, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving who? The Lord. Remember that it, you're not focused on getting the promotion at the end of the month. Your reward might be in eternity. You might never see it here on earth. We are called to live obediently, surrender to the one who is in ultimate authority, remembering that Jesus endured a whole bunch of hard stuff that he didn't have to do, right? He didn't commit a sin, yet he was beaten anyway. He never told a lie, yet the cat of nine tails ripped his flesh from his bones anyway, right? Why did he do that for you and for me? Because he was living under authority because there was no other way. And he was a testimony. And what if you were put in your workplace through your actions to adorn the gospel because God desires your hard boss to be saved? And he sent you. What if Jesus saved us to send us to be the church, to demonstrate the beauty and the power of the gospel? Now we see in these two short verses, slaves are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. The phrase in everything is in these, both of these verses, right? You think it's important? You betcha. Paul's like, no excuses. Where are you rationalizing? Where are you justifying? Where are you deflecting your responsibility to be obedient in the workplace? To God, first and foremost, and then to man. For whatever reason, I have a better idea, Right? They should do it my way. I, they never listen to me. I get no respect around here, Rodney Dangerfield would say, right? Maybe I'm just lazy. Now, it, within the construct of your workplace, work within the systems to give your input, provide feedback, 
But at the end of the day, if your boss tells you to do something and it is not unbiblical, illegal, unethical, or immoral, Paul was saying to Titus, tell people to do it, right? Because we are operating under authority, earthly, as a living testimony for the one who we ultimately we are under authority over. And if you can't do it, you maybe find someone else that you can serve. <laughs> Get a new job, right? But the responsibility that Paul is saying here is, in everything, be submissive to your own master. So friends, where do you need to be obedient this week? Where maybe have you grown a little obstinate? Where do you need to repent, recalibrate, refresh, and renew? This is literally servant evangelism, right? It's a form of servant evangelism. To work under the authority on earth as a way that points to the ultimate authority, Jesus Christ. Second attribute, be pleasant in action, in attitude. Be pleasant in attitude. Again, God is with you in all of these situations and a lot of them are endurance and perseverance are needed and it's a sanctification journey, right? Because this is not easy, is it? I'm not saying this is easy, but guess what? The cross wasn't easy either. Be pleasant in attitude. It says it right here. Paul's like, they are to be well-pleasing. Truth serum, are you well-pleasing at work? Are you a joy to be around in the office? That's what this means. Doesn't mean you don't have your moments or have hard days or whatnot. Well-meaning doesn't mean people-pleasing. It means gospel-reflecting. Paul writes this in Ephesians 6. He says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the what? Heart. This is a heart issue. The attitudes of your heart drive the actions of your life. And then remember, God will give you the strength to reflect his glory and his testimony every day. You control your own attitude and I fall very short in this, Right? I can't control what other people say to me, do to me, or the circumstances that are often presented to me, but I can't control how I respond to it. And when I fall short, I pray that I grow shorter and shorter in the time of my repentance and authenticity in every aspect. We are called to be adorned with the fragrance of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Now, I was uh, in high school, I was, Athletics were a big thing for me. I spent a lot of my high school career in a locker room with a bunch of other guys. Great smelling place because high school guy athletes take real good of their own hygiene, right? (laughs) Not. (laughs) I have to say after some hard basketball practices or cross practices, a lot of us would not shower because one, we're lazy, two, anyway, awkward. But um, what we would do is we would take out Axe and we spray it all over our bodies where we would leave and it would be indiscreet. You could totally tell what we did. And it wasn't the best, but there was no doubting what we, where we were coming from and what we were doing. In the same way, as you go about your office work or in the school, your fragrance that emanates from you should reflect the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is what? Paul writes this in Galatians 5, through 25, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now check out the next verse. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, again, master, right? Submissive relationship. Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also, what? Walk by the Spirit. Walk in a way that adorns the fragrance of the fruit of the Spirit. So ask yourself, what does it mean to be pleasant to be around? Look at these attributes. Am I loving? Because that's how the Bible says. Jesus says that they'll know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Am I joy-filled? Joy should be a characteristic of, of us as believers. Why? Because our circumstances might be incredibly difficult. But did you know that Jesus Christ went to the grave for you, that he paid your price? Isn't that awesome? Praise God, amen, right? That's awesome. We always have a reason to be joyful, amen? Amen. Like, remember that. Go back to that. Anchor in that. That's why Paul says in Romans 12 too that we need to renew our mind. And then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We need to renew our mind with the reality of the gospel. That I was dead, but Jesus made me alive. Praise God, even when the stock market's falling, right? (laughs) Praise God, even when my shower at home, the water starts working. Praise God, right? Amen. That's pleasant to be around. Man, don't you want to be around those people? Not people that are like just chipper to be chipper. Like, okay. But man, they're like loving and joyful and caring and generous and, and they have the fruit of the spirit. Who doesn't want to be around those people? Are you that person? Are you pursuing being that person? In every season and every circumstance, will you pursue being that person? How do I get there? Man, read the Bible. Remember the promises of God. Worship. Prayer, live in biblical community, ask somebody to text you. (laughs) Like we all need to be picked up every once in a while. And can I tell you, friends, it's really hard to be grumpy and grateful at the same time. Where's your mind right? Try it, (laughs) try it. Where's your mind right now? Well, remember what Jesus did for you. And I guarantee you, your grumpy heart will turn more towards our heart of gratitude. That's why the renewing of your mind in Romans 12 too is so vital because all of us, our mind slips and we need to fight to get back to reorient so that we can be pleasant in attitude. So ask yourself today, am I pleasant to be around at work? Why not? And it matters. It's a fragrance, right? Anybody want to be around a skunk when it goes off? No. But if we're called to be a gospel testimony, if we're walking around work with pouty, potty mouth, rough around the edges, pride filled, people going to want to be like you? No. Is that a consistent and authentic testimony of Jesus Christ? No. You're making it about you and not about Jesus. We need to live in such a way that we're pleasant to be around. I'm not saying the circumstances are easy, but that's where the power of God comes in. The third attribute of, to adorning the gospel as a, true gospel as a true testimony is this, is being uplifting in speech. Paul continues to Titus, he says, not argumentative. Now, some of us, not to name any names, like to get in arguments, right? Like to debate, just to debate. All of us don't like to be wrong. (laughs) Most of us want to be right. But this word literally here means not speaking against. The disciples of Jesus Christ are not to be back talking or gossiping about their boss behind their back in a text message group chat about, man, you'll never believe what so-and-so did at work today. Like, you're not to be disparaging in speech because it disparages the witness of the gospel of God, both to the person you're talking to and the person that you're talking about. At lunch, in a private text chat, an anonymous social media post, on your Facebook account, in an email from face to face, is your language consistent 
with the gospel. Proverbs says a whole lot about what we are to do with our language and the damage that we do when our language is foul-mouthed. Read James chapter 3 and how the small tongue sets things ablaze and how somehow we can bless with one and curse the other all out of the same tongue, right? We need a consistent gospel witness with our mouth. Because that phrase that many of us have heard, sticks and stones will break, break my bones, but what? Words will never what? Hurt me. Guess what? They hurt. Words matter. They matter. The tone matters. Ask yourself, is what I'm about to say or what I'm about to type in a group text or on social media, is it going to build the other person up or tear them down? You're like, I don't have time to think about that. It just comes out of my mouth. Well, there's a Bible verse for that. Be slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to become angry. Proverbs speaks about it. Why? Because when we are quick to speak and I get it as an extrovert that is a verbal processor, we get ourselves in trouble, right? (laughs) We need to slow down and go, God, what would you have me say right here? Even in a conversation where you need to give an immediate response, pray a breath prayer, Holy Spirit, speak to me and then listen, right? And he will tell you to be silent when sometimes you want to say something and sometimes you need to say something when you want to be silent, right? And you need to listen and be obedient, especially when you're tired or when you're frustrated or when you're stressed, right? The choice is yours. The power is God's in you and through you. And here's what Paul writes in Ephesians 4 to make the choice to build up or tear down. He says, let no, not just some, no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. Important, right? Because it can be true, not helpful, right? That it may do what? Give grace. It may adorn the gospel to all who hear. Are the words that I am speaking going to breathe the life of the gospel into the person that are people that are hearing? Or am I trying to tear them down either because I'm angry or because I want to make myself look good? We're here to display Jesus Christ, not ourselves. And I want you to know, friends, even in the hardest of spots, we have an opportunity to be a gospel testimony. I was reading this in my quiet time this week, and this really spoke to me. Um, it says this in Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, amen? And maybe you're anxious this morning, but a good word makes him glad. What an opportunity we have as God's gospel ambassadors to make other people glad, not just with blowing smoke or platitudes, but with gospel-infused, honest, loving truth and grace, Right? I want to challenge you this week, seven days between now and next Sunday, at least one time a day, take up your phone and send an email or a text or have a conversation and intentionally choose to build someone up, to thank God, tell them a reason why you're thankful for them, send them a Bible verse and watch how God works in you and but also through you. Can we do that? At least one. You might get on a roll and be like, I can do two or three or four. Like, come on. Like, there's no limit, but it's powerful. And be sincere. Don't, don't be insincere. But if you actually thought about it, man, God could work. Thank your boss for something this week, even if he or she is difficult to work for, right? Find one thing to be grateful for. You can do that, right? And tell them. A coworker, tell them. And watch what God will do. Don't focus on what you can't control. Focus on what you can control. You have the ability with your tongue to breathe life and be a powerful gospel testimony. Let's use it, right? Fourth attribute to adorning the gospel of the true testimony is being trustworthy in character. 
Paul continues, he says, not pilfering. Translation, don't have sticky fingers, right? (laughs) Not pilfering means to not covertly set apart for oneself. You don't embezzle. Don't take what isn't yours. We are called to adorn the gospel, not just with our words, but in our character and our integrity. Many of us have justifications around, I earned this, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my expense account, I'm gonna fudge the numbers a little bit over here, and my, my boss will never know what I did on that San Diego trip. <laughs> or I'm gonna adjust the timesheet because I'm underpaid and overworked and I am owed this. I'm gonna take that stapler that I really like and sort of, oh, it finds its way to my home, right? <laughs> if it's not allowed, don't do it. Be trustworthy with the little things and you'll you'll earn trustworthiness in the big things. And maybe, where are you cutting corners? Are you in this way? And maybe you're like, I don't have sticky fingers. I'm above board. Well, maybe, maybe more than tangible. Think about intangibles. Are you pilfering from your employer, your time or your energy? I'm supposed to give them eight hours of work today. And I know some government employees that you might not have stuff to do, so whatever. (laughs) But like... But like, I spent five hours on YouTube today. Woohoo! I put in a solid eight hours of work. <laughs> Those cat videos. <sighs> like, but literally, in your own heart, are you authentically putting your best for effort for the hours that you are getting compensated for? Or are you stealing time or stealing energy? I'm shopping Amazon when I should be doing my expense report or whatever. <sighs> Whatever it is, are you being trustworthy in character in all aspects? And if not, man, I would, I would lovingly, and maybe, maybe you need to spend some time confessing that and repenting of that and adjusting that this week. Are you dependable? Are you giving your best energy and your effort when you're there? And maybe it's, Maybe it's just like, I don't have the time to give my best effort. Maybe just an adjustment needs to be made, but be honest. Be people of integrity. If I can't work 10 hours a week this week, go to your boss. I can only do five at 100%. Okay, let's make that adjustment. Trust is one of our most valuable commodities and powerful testimonies. Fifth and finally, the fifth attribute, be faithful in service to adorning the gospel with a powerful gospel testimony. It says in the text right here, right? They are to be, <clears throat> in everything, they are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, verse 10, but showing all good faith. The, the, the but there is a juxtaposition that connects the, but showing all good faith with what came before it, not pilfering. So you have this example of don't pilfer, but on the other end of the spectrum, be faithful. Be faithful in every aspect that sort of encompasses everything, but don't lack integrity. It's an ongoing every, every day in every way. Show that in a visible, tangible way, the faithfulness that is the gospel so that they will ultimately see Jesus. And I would say it this way, in every aspect, are you being a faithful witness? Is there a constancy? Is there an integrity to the way that Jesus lived in, the, in, in relation to those who were in authority over him and the way that you are living on your earthly, under the earthly authority that you're living? Are you being faithful to reflect the original who is Jesus Christ? Remember, as disciples, we are called to reflect Jesus, right? We're called to be like Jesus, grow to be like Jesus. So in every aspect, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, am I being 
faithful. When I get a work email that is really hard, when somebody accuses me of something I did not do, when I am told to do a job that I frankly don't want to do, am I being faithful to the Lord? He's the one we're ultimately going to give an account to. When others are speaking ill about the boss, am I jumping in or am I saying, not me? And maybe even speaking up even more. Hey, I don't think that's right, friends. It might cost you on earth, but remember the reality that God loves your boss too, right? He loves your superior military official. He loves the hard coach in your life. He loves your coworker that is watching you because you... You have a WWJD bracelet on and they're like, what's that all about? And somehow they don't see much of a difference in you right now between the normal world. He loves the people that make fun of you at work because you what you choose to not do with the person that you're dating but you're not married to yet. He loves them so that in the consistency of your gospel testimony and the power of God and the timing of God, they might come into relationship with Jesus through the witness of your attitude and your actions and your speech and your faithfulness, right? And then when they go, why aren't you doing this? Or why are you doing this? You go, because you are an intentional witness because Jesus modeled it for me this way. And I serve him. He's changed me. He's changed my life. I used to be like this and I thought it was all about it, but man, it's not. And I, I want Jesus and I want you to know him too in your neighborhoods, in your schools, when people see you and how they, you react and how you act to different circumstances and situations, are you a consistent witness to the gospel? You're like, how do I do this, Pastor Dan? It's really hard. You're right, it is. You can't do it on your own. But praise God, we're not on our own, amen? We have God, the Holy Spirit living inside of us and we have Jesus as a model in front of us. We do this by resetting our eyes and renewing our hearts. Paul gives us the roadmap right here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You catch that? Have this among yourselves. As you work for those that are, whose authority you are under on earth, have this mind, which is yours through Christ Jesus. We can't, it's not natural. It's against our flesh. It's countercultural, but it's available in and through Jesus, right? Here's our model. Have this mind amongst you, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a what? A servant. Jesus would never ask us to do something that he has not already done himself. He took the form of a servant. Doulos. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled Himself, humility is the key. By becoming what? Obedient. So when Jesus, through the, through the Holy Spirit, inspired words of the Apostle Paul to Titus and to us, when he calls us to be submissive and obedient, Jesus is already modeling that for us here, right here, right? To the point of death, even death on a cross. Nothing you will face this week at work, at work is as hard the road that Jesus walked on Golgotha to the cross, Amen. 
Therefore, Jesus, therefore God has highly exalted him. He is the eternal authority and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God our Father. Through submission, through humility, when we humble ourselves, the gospel speaks powerfully, amen? Praise God. So this week at work, you have gospel opportunities that abound on a daily basis. How will you respond with your attitude, with your action, with your speech in a way that live under the earthly authority that points to the eternal authority of Jesus Christ? Well, we go, me, I, Sam, I, Nate, I, Stephanie, I, Derek, a doulos of Jesus Christ. Go to work at Giant. Go to work on the yard. Go to work at Fort Meade. To live under the authority as a living, breathing testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ that changed my life. Through the strength of God so that you might come to know him too and so that God might be exalted and glorified in everything. Again, this is really hard to do and we all have work to do, amen? I know I do. So Amy's gonna continue to play right here in just a moment or two, a minute or two of reflection time. Man, where have you fallen short in this week? Not if, let's own the reality of all of us fall short in this. Ask the Lord to show this to you and then just repent. Say, God, I'm sorry for being sarcastic or talking back to my boss or my coworker. God, I'm sorry for maybe not giving my best effort all the time. I'm sorry for not being obedient and questioning and just thinking that I know better and that is stopping me from my heart attitude of humility and submission and obedience because of my pride. God, forgive me of my pride. God, give me the endurance to endure a really hard calling at work, which is not what I thought it would be. But man, I'm gonna trust you that you're gonna use it in a way that is far greater than me that I might not even be able to see right now, God for your glory because you're with me and you've gone before me and you're with me and you're gonna use me. And my heart is set on glorifying you and the eternal reward in heaven. And maybe, maybe, maybe you've never ever given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, the one who left everything and humbled himself and gave his life on the cross for you because he loves you that much. And maybe today you're just like, God, I want that relationship with you. I want that restored heart and hope and humility and make that decision today. But right now, would you just take the time to ask the Holy Spirit where you need to repent and would you do that? And then maybe even commit to having a follow-up conversation with somebody on earth that you horizontally that you need to repent and confess to today and say, sorry for shirking my responsibility at work. Sorry for bad talking to you. I just want you to know I'm sorry and I love you. And I'll close this time in a minute. We'll respond in worship. But would you just ask the Holy Spirit to convict you? because our pursuit is to become more like Jesus Christ and to be a consistent gospel testimony. Let his grace cover you. Let his strength watch over, wash over you. Father, we're here this morning in the reality that in everything, we don't always succeed at adorning the gospel. And we need you. 
God, we, we need your grace and we know that it's a free gift available to all of us today and again and again and again. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the heart that you've given each and every one of us through your son, Jesus Christ, to be restored back into a reunified relationship in you and through you. And God, in this moment, God, we come to you as a broken people in need of your grace. We fall short. Sometimes our words don't reflect your character. Our actions or our attitudes don't reflect your character. Sometimes we're grumpy and not grateful, God. Sometimes we neglect to anchor in the beauty of the gospel because we're focused on earthly things and earthly rewards. Forgive us, God. Strengthen us, God. Refresh us again, God. Renew us, God. Set our hearts on you again, God. Because you are great and you are glorious and you are worthy to be praised. And we can't do this on our own, but this mind which is available to us in and through Jesus Christ, God. Set our hearts on humility this week, God. To build up and not tear down with our words. To encourage and support. To lay our lives down as you laid your life down. Not predicated on, the, on others' actions to us, but for the one who went before us, Jesus Christ. For the one who died for us, God, we praise you and we lay our lives down to love others when they don't deserve it because we were loved when we didn't deserve it. Thank you for your mercy, God. Thank you for your love, God. We need you, God. Permeate this place, God. Restore us, refresh us, renew our minds and reset our hearts, God. And help us to be a living, breathing testimony to the beauty of the gospel, adorning ourselves with your mercy and your grace this weekend in every conversation. God, we love you. In your name we pray, amen.